Good morning, church. My name is Brett. I'm pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Glad to have you here. Welcome. We really are happy that you chose to fellowship with us on this Father's Day. And fathers, happy Father's Day to you. Thank you for doing all you do. The sacrifice, the commitment to the well-being of your children, what it means to love your wife, thank you. It means a lot. Before we get into the Word, <clears throat> I want to take a moment to pray. Um, as we were worshiping last week, things were unfolding in terms of information that was coming out of Orlando, and um, it was a horrific event that happened two Saturday nights ago. And two days before that, I believe, a young woman was murdered there, um, <clears throat> who was a somewhat of an entertainment icon, and then midweek, a young child uh, met his horrible end uh, at Disney. And so we've helped to plant one church. Actually, we've helped to plant two churches in Orlando. And um, I want to pray and ask for God's mercy on that city and identify with it uh, in ways of in ways that a few cities can in that we've experienced what it means to go through waves of or, ex or moments of terror with respect to violence. So, Father in heaven, I'm asking for your grace on the city of Orlando. Help Pastor Tim, help Pastor Keith, and all the pastors of that city to come to solutions that can bring the city to its knees to worship you, keep the, the citizens safe, and bring your spirit in such a way that it causes an awakening in the community and a revival in the church, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, turn with me over to the book of Proverbs. The title of the message today is, Daddy Used to Say. Now, this is, this is the part two of Mama Used to Say, which was on Mother's Day. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Proverbs 4, 1 through 9. Solomon is writing, and he says, Hear, O sons, the instruction of the Father. Give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. Verse 3. When I was a son to my father, tender, and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Verse 6. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of, of wisdom is acquire wisdom, and with all of your acquiring, get understanding. Prize her, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her, verse 9. She will place on your head a garland of grace, and she will present you with a crown of beauty. Lord, help us as we study. Three things I'd like to pull from this. First of all, what it means to guard. Secondly, what it means to gain. And thirdly, what it means to grow. Let me lay out for you the background of this passage. Solomon says, when I was tender 
and the only son in the sight of my, my, my mother, my father taught me. Now, four weeks ago, we talked about what it meant to, to understand what Solomon's mama said. Again, the title of that sermon was Mama Used to Say. And wow, what words of wisdom she gave. And here we have Solomon saying, the template for me to give you more wisdom was my dad. What a parenting team. It, it is just about the only set of parents in all of Scripture that actually give instruction, not just we have narrative about, but actually give instruction to their child about how to live. The only set of parents. We'll see a parent give instruction to a child, whether it be a mother to a son or a father to a son, but rarely do we see both parents giving instruction to a child. And, and we have to wonder why Solomon was so wise. You don't have to look far. The apple surely did not fall far from the tree on this one. What a mama in Bathsheba. All of Proverbs 31 is written about that woman. Amazing was she. Now, lest anyone think that there's no way a woman can attain to what Bathsheba had, that was her entire life. Still, that was, that was on balance. Amazing what she was able to do. And then, of course, we know David. David is renowned for all of his exploits, but more so for his heart in seeking after God. And these two teamed together to produce the wisest man who has ever lived. Other than Christ, the wisest man. And that's not Brett's commentary. That's God's. And then we understand a little bit more about how in the world Solomon was able to come to the place where when he was unconscious, he was able to pray the perfect prayer. We have a hard time trying to figure out what to say when, when we are awake. It says that Solomon was offering uh, offerings when he was king, and he went to Gibeon to do so. And he fell asleep, and the Lord came to him in a dream at night in 1 Kings chapter 3 and said, what do you want me to give to you? Now, Solomon was someplace in the neighborhood of 13 to 16 years old. We know he was young because we know that David was probably fairly old when he, when he fathered Solomon. Reason being, it says in Second uh, Samuel 11, when, when it was time for kings to go out to war, David was on the rooftop of his house. Now, David was never derelict when it came to, to battle. He wasn't neglectful. He wouldn't send his armies out. He would go with them because he was the mightiest warrior of them all. Why was he at home this time? Well, there's an account over in first, uh, second, 2 Samuel 22 and 23 that talks about the, David's mighty men and their exploits. And one day David was battling one of the sons of Goliath. And as he was doing so, it says that the, Goliath was about, the, son, the son of Goliath was about to get him. He was going to die. Wasn't going well. And one of David's nephews came, Abishai, and rescued him from this peril and killed the son of Goliath. At that moment, they said to David, you will not go out with us anymore lest the lamp of Israel be snuffed out. Which meant that David was probably getting a little old. You know, you can only do it so long. I mean, you, 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 could, you, you were amazing at 22, but... But at 55, you can't touch the rim. You can't touch the rim at 55. So you got to go home, David. Well, he's in the middle of a life crisis now. We call him midlife crisis. He's in the middle of one. What do I do? All I've done is war. 
You got to be careful in transition, man. You got to be careful that you, that you don't get so bored and so loose in your direction that anything will take you away and capture your attention. He was on the rooftop of his house when kings go out to war. Why was David at home? Because they wouldn't let him go out anymore. And he was stuck. I'm not a bureaucrat. I can't govern like this yet. He was at home, and he, he got distracted, and that was a bad moment. Well, we think he was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 50. We know he died at 70, which meant as, as Solomon was coming to power, he was trying to wait until Solomon could get old enough to rule. So waiting, so long and waiting was he that he was almost expiring, where his son Adonijah, who was another son of his, made himself king thinking that sure enough, I'm the eldest now. David's going to put me in charge. When David had promised Bathsheba that Solomon should be coronated as king. Well, why hadn't David done it? Because he was trying to wait long enough to where Solomon was old enough where he could be respected and rule and have some experience. He was too young. So David waited so long that his eldest son tried to take the throne. And then David said, well, I got to anoint him now. I know he's a kid. And he said so. He is young and inexperienced. Older men who have been in my kingdom, you're going to have to help this one. So Solomon's there as king now, offering a Gibeon. And as he's doing so, God comes to him and says, what do you want me to give you? And this 13 to 16-year-old answers beautifully. When most 13 to 16-year-olds would start like this. Well, I'd like her to be... uh, you know, this, this, this size and that, she sings. And, she, and then I want, I'd like, that, that fellow I got on my wall, Steph Curry, I'd like to have his career, please. I just want seven championships, one more than Michael. And, and I, I, need, I, need 10 in, I need 10 all-star games. And I'd like to have a million dollars and as many Xboxes as possible, please. That's what 13 to 16-year-olds are thinking about. This one says, give me wisdom so I can govern your people, please. Give me wisdom. Where to get it from? Where do we get all the book of Proverbs from? Except that David laid the foundation in his life for, for this right here. When I was tender in the sight of my mother, her only son at this time, meaning the only boy that was being trained in her house, my daddy taught me these words. Acquire wisdom. Don't let it leave you. Hug her. Love her. Get understanding. In all of your getting, get wisdom. Mama taught him. You talk about a combination of parenting that allowed this kid to be unusual in his disposition toward God when he was unconscious. Now listen to me, dads. In this passage, what is unusual is that we don't have anything about Solomon saying, this is what God taught me. Yet it's inscripturated. It's canonized. Dads, there ought to be so much principled word coming out of you that when you speak, it is as if God is doing so. Are you listening to me? What we see here is Solomon telling all of his kids, this is what my daddy taught me, and God thought it was so important. He said, I'm going to put it in my Bible as being as if it came from me. Do the words that come out of your mouth 
Do they inspire toward godliness, godliness and purity in your children? Paul was very, very explicit about making sure that the words that we say, dads, do that and not do the other, which is provoke, provoke our children to go the opposite direction or toward anger. He said, don't provoke your children to do the wrong thing or be the wrong way. We have to be people that are sensitive, that when we speak, we sound like God. Amen. Oh, I'm not saying you substitute for him. I'm just saying you speak on his behalf. And you don't necessarily have to have chapter and verse when you do it. It just flows out of you. So that there is no distinction between how God would say it and how you say it. Are you listening to me? Solomon heard it when it came from David's lips as if it were God. And what it did, it not only taught him, it informed his conscience. So that when he was unconscious, he could pray the perfect prayer. When we have a difficult time awake saying what's right to God. You know when you're asleep, there's no control over your dreams. You can't tell it what to do. It does what your soul is ready for. It guides its way through the condition that you've already placed your soul in. If there are stop signs in your soul, the dream doesn't go any further. If there aren't any, it keeps going. If there are green lights to goodness, usually there's a vanquishing that happens. Now, it's one thing if God is trying to give you a message outside of anything that is really birthed from your soul, or the enemy could come to you in the middle of the night and begin to bring fear in your heart. And that has happened on both occasions to me, where the enemy has come, and I knew it wasn't me. It had nothing to do with me. And he has come, and he has manifested himself. And the first time, I, I really got scared. I called my prophets, and I said, listen, the devil told me last night, I, I, how'd you know it was the devil? I, you just know. I don't know how else to say it. You just know. He told me he's going to kill me and my kids. I said, this, I was, you know, maybe, maybe it was 15 years ago. I said, I've never had him come to me. I've had some fearful dreams, but I've never had that. What do I do? He said, first of all, it's a lie. I said, good. That helps. That helps. I said, I knew it was a lie, but I needed to hear it from somebody. I said, good. Secondly, I said, what do I do? He said, you just pray and I'll pray with you. And so I not only prayed against it, I prayed that if he came back again, I'd be ready. God help me. He came back about five years later. He said the same thing. And literally, in my dream, I said, no, you're not. And I began to fight back. One of the best dreams I've ever had in my life. Best dreams I ever had in my life. And may I say, he hasn't returned. Now, that's no, there's no bravado there in Brett. It's just knowing how to equip myself to battle spiritually and the condition that my soul needs to be in when I engage. This man prayed, this boy prayed a perfect, Lord, give me wisdom. And God told him, because you did not ask for wealth, because you did not ask for the life of your enemies, because you did not ask for power, I'm going to give you what you asked for and all the other stuff. Now, you say, that's amazing. Ha, that's good. Well, 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 the New Testament makes it much easier. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask. And God gives it liberally. As long as you don't have any doubting or, or, or fear, you're not double-minded. 
You'll give it freely. Because his double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And then on, on top of that, Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. For your father knows you need that stuff. Look at the birds of the air. They don't toil. They don't work hard or store in, store in the barn, barns, but your father feeds, feeds them. And look at the grass of the field. It doesn't work hard to, to be pretty, yet it's going to be tomorrow cut down and thrown into the fire. Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like them. Don't worry about what you are going to wear, what you're going to eat. Seek first the kingdom. Yes, sir. And I'll give you all that other stuff. Doesn't that sound strangely like what God told Solomon? You seek what I, I want for the benefit. He said, I want wisdom to govern your people. You seek the kingdom first. He said, and I'll give you the other stuff. New Testament makes it real easy. God is not... He is not a a preferer of persons, though he loves his favorites. And we are his favorites. Favorites. Israelites, favorites, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when it comes to distinguishing between how he blesses, he doesn't consider one to be so special that he's got to give without the other. He is indiscriminate, discriminately in his blessing to his people. So here we have Solomon talking about how important it is to make sure that you listen to the words of your father. And dads, let your voice be such that your children want to listen to it. And teach them so well that all they want to do is tell their kids exactly what you said. My daddy did the best he could fabulous man. I always wanted to be like him and still do. I admire him for his courage, his fortitude, moving into a predominantly white area in 1966 with a family of two. Third one on the way, trying to figure out, actually we were three, three kids, trying to figure out how in the world to make it go and keep his family safe. We had to move from the hood because one of my best friends had just mistakenly gunned down another of my best friends at the age of five. It was a mistake. Daddy left a gun on the, on the counter. And that, my dad said, we got to get out of here. So he moved us to the suburbs, and nobody would sell to us. In was 66. We were black. Everybody else was white. We couldn't swim in the, in the swimming pools. And they wouldn't let us play in the playgrounds. We were the first kids to break the color barrier in our neighborhood. And, and, and first kids to go to school in this white school. And it was, it was scary all the way around. I appreciate my dad's courage because in the middle of that, it helped me become who I needed to be to reach all kinds of folks, not just people who look like me. Yes, I am grateful for my dad. My dad was amazing. As some of you had the benefit of knowing who he was because you were here in the early 90s when he was a part of our church, and I baptized him in the tub of my house and prophesied over him. And he, when we had 50 people, he was 51. It was amazing. I, I love my dad. He didn't give me all the Bible I needed. In fact, I gave him more than he gave me. He didn't know it. He didn't know Jesus when we were growing up. And so he was bound by what his father gave him, and his father gave his, his father before that. He could do no other. So I do not blame him for all the things that went wrong in my life. My God's hand was on my life the entire time. And please, I beg you. There's a whole movement out there to try to, to, to push against the idea of fathers being necessary and definitely not celebrated on Father's Day. All because fathers made mistakes. Who doesn't? 
And I realize when fathers make mistakes, they make mistakes on kids. And some of them are intentional mistakes. They do wrong wrongly. And I realize that. My, did, my dad did wrong in a horrible way repeatedly. But if you want to get past it, it's not that you have to go to your past to get past it and begin to talk about everything that your dad did to rehearse it, get psychoanalyzed all the time, and figure out how in the world you can, can remove yourself from everything he did. No, no, no. Tie yourself to him by honoring him for the privilege of giving you life so that you can understand who Jesus Christ was. And let the Father in heaven heal you from all the stuff that went wrong. That is the best way to handle that. You can't distance yourself from the people who made you. The only healthy way to deal with it is to say, I love you. I thank you. I honor you. I wish that didn't happen, but God has healed me and I'm better for it. I would never be the human being I am had I not gone through all the stuff I've gone through and seen God redeem that which I could not fix. It doesn't mean that I wish... I, I, it doesn't mean I, I, I don't wish I hadn't gone through it. It just meant we're in this world, and there's nothing perfect about it. So God's going to have to redeem something. You might as well let his power go to your, your deepest pain. My daddy did teach me one thing, though, among many things, but one, those, those certain phrases that stick with you. In my incredulous behavior, when my dad would tell me things that I just found hard to believe, he'd say, boy, he'd always start with boy. <laughs> Even when I was 30, boy. Oh, I didn't mind it. He was my dad. He could call me whatever he wanted. Boy, if I tell you a grasshopper's a horse, get your saddle. End of conversation. <laughs> Solomon said, make sure you guard the word with your heart. Not guard your heart with the word. Do that. But he's talking about something different here. Guard the word with your heart. The promises that God puts on the inside of you are precious. The things he says are amazing. And the word there, keep, is the word shamar in, in Hebrew, which actually means to guard. Guard the word. Jesus said when the sower went out to sow, he said some fell among the path, some fell among the thorns, some fell among the rocks, and some fell among good soil, some of the seed. And he said the seed that fell on the path was quickly eaten up by the birds of the air. It wasn't guarded by the soil. When the word falls in your heart today, it's your responsibility to guard it. Your heart needs to cover it up. David said in Psalm 119, verse 11, I will treasure your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Literally, put a safe around your word so that I may not sin against you. My attitude, David said, I'm going to guard the things that you put in my heart promises, the strength and power. This word is invaluable. You've got to guard it. David told Solomon, 
Make sure you take these words of wisdom I give you and guard them. Keep them. Hold fast to them. Do not let them go. Secondly, he said, you've got to gain some things. You need to gain wisdom and you need to gain understanding. And let me tell you the distinction between the two. They sound like synonyms, but they are not. They can be used in similar ways, but, but here they are to be distinguished as being different. In fact, I'll add another so you understand the progression of how God gets his stuff. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom are a progression. What you are getting right now from me is knowledge with a, with a good dose of impartation. It's not just information for your head. I'm trying to drive points down in your soul, down into your heart. But it's coming through your ears, into your brain and mind, so that it can now be received in your heart. You're getting information. That's what knowledge is. You need as much knowledge as possible in order to make good decisions. Knowledge then goes into understanding. If you don't go through the progression, knowledge doesn't help you very much. It'll make you smarter, but it may not make you better. So knowledge then needs to go to understanding, i.e., a person looks at a package of cigarettes. He looks on the back, and the package says, the Surgeon General has deemed smoking to be hazardous to your health. Understanding then comes from the information that you're given. What happens to people when they smoke? They get sick. Lungs fill up with cancer. Teeth start falling out. Problems with addictions and bondage, they aren't better for smoking. Now I understand what happens to people who inhale stuff other than oxygen. <laughs> I've never had a problem with oxygen. It's good enough for me. Amen. Good enough. I don't know why people want to substitute. I can't, I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me, especially when the substitute isn't as good. Mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> wisdom then comes after understanding and this is why David says in your getting make sure you get it yeah. wisdom then says I'm going to make a good decision now that I understand and the first thing he says about wisdom is don't forget her so if you have understanding don't forget that, you, that now you need to make a really good decision based on what you know if you understand that this is going to hurt you, then the best decision is, I will not smoke. Amen. If the Surgeon General hasn't put anything out on a certain thing that can still be inhaled, <laughs> then you need to understand some stuff that the Surgeon General has not said yet. Well. <laughs> that people who inhale other things that they must light and put in between their lips have an altered state of mind after they finish, thinking that they feel better, but they're doing themselves harm and they don't know it because temporarily it feels better than the bad they felt before they inhaled. Now, I understand their medicinal purposes. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but I also know that oxygen is better and there are other things that don't temporarily mask all of your issues that will assist you in the process of ultimately getting whole rather than just feeling better. Yeah. Yes. There are many things on this, on this planet 
that can medica- medicate you to the degree that you can get hold. You need to find God. Most stuff that medicates you, whether it's alcohol, whether it's marijuana, whether it's anything else, I realize that there are prescription things you got to go through. I'm not against that. I just want you to know that there is a healer who wants to make you whole, not just better, whole. Don't forget wisdom. After you get understanding, make good decisions based on it. That's what wisdom is. The evidence of good decision-making, wisdom. And then he says, love her. Love wisdom. Embrace, love it. Don't despise it. Make sure you develop a relationship with wisdom that says, I want to figure out how to make the best decisions in life. You pursue her, David says. Solomon said, my dad said. Understanding says, prize her. Value understanding. Try to get as much as you possibly can. When you don't understand a portion of Scripture, don't just read by it and say, well, I'll find something that I do. Get out your shovel. Get your books out. Start, start digging a little bit to say, I want to know exactly what that means. You desire, prize understanding, not just knowledge. Having said that, it all, all the, the most valuable understanding comes from Scripture. Which allows me to say once again that you need to read your Bible every day, every day. So you can get as much knowledge and then understanding from that knowledge to make great decisions for your life. And understanding will, if, if, you, if you prize her, if you, if you hug her, embrace understanding, it says. Be a garland of grace to your head. She will lift you up and exalt you. And she will honor you. Understanding will make you appear to be smarter than you really are. You remember Peter? Jesus said, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And the disciples said, well, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Then he turned to him and said, Matthew 16, who do you say that I am? I think there was a long pause there because they did not want to get this one wrong. They'd gotten a lot of stuff wrong, but you don't want to get the identity of the person you've been following for a year and a half wrong. Who do you you think I am? And all of a sudden, Peter pipes up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and says, oh, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but it was my father in heaven who revealed it to you. And it sounds so lofty as if Peter has now been put in the company of the prophets. And indeed, he had heard from God, and that's wonderful. But I think Jesus was saying it more like this. Pete, I know you. You you didn't get that on your own. (laughs) You didn't get that on your own, bro. Only God could tell you that because I know you. We don't get anything on our own. The only way we get it is if God gives it to us, which makes us smarter than we really are. Are you listening to me? God wants to give you understanding and wisdom. Spend time with him. Read his Bible and get it. And lastly, he says it's important for us to grow, to grow in two respects. One, to grow with with respect to to a a real understanding of what direction we need to go in. And and then to make sure that we grow in our, our, our ability to understand everything he wants us to with respect to his perfect will. And our memory. He says, make sure you don't forget some things. Our memory needs to grow. 
And, and most of us have very short memories when it comes to spiritual maturity and things that relate to our progress. We develop amnesia about what God said on Sunday by Wednesday. He says, remember these things. Don't forget them. You have to grow with your memory. And the way you grow your memory is that you begin to memorize things. You don't just let stuff happen. You intentionally make your mind better by getting in this word and meditating on it day and night. And then lastly, we grow with respect to direction. We need a direction for our lives. Some of you are just kind of aimless in your orientation and just hoping that God meets you on the way. You really don't have a direction. You have, a, you have kind of a general sense that you are mostly in the will of God. There is no greater pleasure than waking up every day knowing you are right center in his will. And that every step you take, he's, ta he's taking with you. And he's not having to, to be on the sidelines saying, uh, come back here, please. You stepped out a little bit too far. Come, come this way. Come this way. And we are deaf to it. Gain a sense of direction. Grow in that sense. Solomon said, these are the things my daddy taught me. If it was good for Solomon and it laid a foundation whereby God can make him the wisest king on the planet to where people from all over the world would come and hear, it, hear what he had to say, just sit and get an audience with him. Queen of Sheba gave a hundred talents of gold just to hear what he had to say. Now, a talent was a hundred pounds of anything. So it's 100, 100 pounds of gold. That's just to say, may I have an audience? That's somewhere in the neighborhood. Given the economies of scale and different environments, of one to ten billion, billion with a B, dollars. That's how valuable wisdom is. Prize it and listen to the words of your father in heaven. And if your daddy has something good to say for, for you here, hold on to it. And daddies, develop such a sense in your own life of getting in this word so, to, to such a degree that when you speak, it sounds like God. Let's pray.